This week on A Lively Experiment, we have something a little different for you. What is life like on college campuses as the pandemic eases? And what are the issues most important to Gen Z? A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with a perspective from each of their campuses, Raymond Bakari, Editor-in-Chief of the Anchor Newspaper at Rhode Island College, and Jason Phillips, Editor-in-Chief of the Good Five Cent Cigar Newspaper at the University of Rhode Island. Hello and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. We appreciate you spending part of your weekend with us. The newspaper industry has seen dramatic changes over the past decade with economic challenges and a move to digital platforms. What remains the same at many college newspapers in Rhode Island is a commitment to chronicling what happens on campus, highlighting student life and holding the administration accountable. Uh, I will say before we begin, uh, we had uh, expected to have one other editor to join you today. And as happens these days, he wound up getting COVID on Wednesday. So we apologize that we'd had, had uh, three editors, but you know, that's kind of the way it goes. And that's a great intro, Jason, into, uh, so first of all, welcome Raymond and Jason. Um, it's a great intro into COVID. And you had to, it started what, your freshman year, right? Yeah, the end of my freshman year, COVID started and broke out, and we had to leave uh, and stay home after spring break. So it must be, and having gone through all of that that we lived through, it's got to be great to be back on campus. Give me the vibe this fall. It really is the way you envision college when you started. Yeah, I mean, it really is. For the cigar and for me at URI, for the past two years now, it's been kind of a learning process of what college is online. For us, um, it was really hard at first to figure out how we were going to put out a paper digitally when we were completely off campus. And when we got back, it was a complete learning process to how we were going to put together the paper when we were back in person. So for this year, coming back on campus, for us to be completely back to what is normal is really exciting. There's a lot of excitement among the new reporters and the old reporters. We've had the biggest incoming class of journalism at URI in about 15 years that started this year. And, you know, that's been reflected in the paper as well. We had almost 50 new members just attend our first meeting of the semester, which was amazing. And there's excitement among everybody, you know. Just being back. Yeah, exactly. Let me uh, let me disclose here. I am the professional advisor. I use professional in quotes uh, for the anchor and have been the last 10 years. So I work with Raymond regularly. Raymond, I remember when we were doing having shifted. It was your freshman year having to shift to digital. There was a point where none of the editors had met each other. They're putting out a paper every week. What was that like for you coming onto campus as a freshman? Yeah, uh, it was very interesting. So when I started my freshman year, I was it was still on Zoom. I joined, I believe it was October 2020, around September, October at the uh, Anchor Newspaper at Rick. It was very interesting. I didn't really meet anybody in person until my sophomore year of college. I didn't meet you in person <laughs> until my sophomore year of college. And uh, going based on what Jason said, this year is a lot different. This is what I like to say, the first year we could finally get back to the basics and just do what we did pre-COVID. Before we used to do weekly print, now it's once a month for print, which is fine. Not a lot of people read the tangible newspaper nowadays. We're doing weekly digital. So now there's just potential to get back to the basics and 
go forward and improve. And that's reflective of where society's going because a lot of newspapers are having the circulation has declined. More people are going toward digital. So talk about that. And you were there for that. Uh, was it you were printing every week printed papers, right, as they did at Rick? Yep. So talk about the discussions to move to digital. And now you have to push people toward the website, right? Yeah. So for the cigar, it's definitely been a slow move towards digital over many years. We were lucky enough to already have our website started and working with a lot of traffic to it before the pandemic began. Um, but when the pandemic began, it was a large learning process of how we could put the actual paper onto the website and how we can make it more engaging. Um, it's been it's been very interesting, definitely, to understand the different facets of a website because for a print newspaper, it's a completely different game. Um, so we've spent the past three years now just trying to make it better and better, but the website's been around for almost 10 years for the cigar, and we're constantly updating it, putting new features on the website, trying to make it engaging to read. So we're looking at you know professional newspapers like the New York Times, the Washington Post to see what they're doing with interactive graphics. And our new advisor, Dr. Amina Kothari, has been amazingly helpful. Um, her specialization is in data journalism. So she's had a lot of amazing ideas of how we can actually work on adding more interactive elements. What's different this fall for you coming back? So I feel like it's a combination of increasing our social media presence during 2020, 2021. It was all on anchorweb.org, uh, weekly digital. So we had to share our articles on social media, uh, weekly email newsletter. We're bringing that back. It's done uh, via MailChimp, I believe. A combination of that, and also we're going to be introducing a Discord server for the Anchor newspaper. I think this would be a great way to interact with those on campus who may want to give us a story idea like, hey, there's something going on in my dorm. Can you have a reporter look at this? But still want to stay anonymous because on Discord you can uh, create usernames and, and things along those lines. I think that's where it's going to head, uh, having an increased digital space for uh, students not part of the paper to also communicate with us. We had a full office. We meet on Wednesdays, and you had mentioned the the, uh, the increased number of people. It's great to see so many people engaged, and does that give you hope as the year goes on that uh, clearly you want more writers and, and to be able to contribute, but being able to be in person again? What has that done? Absolutely. I think on a good day last year, we had maybe eight to ten people in that office, probably maybe even seven, six, five. It wasn't a full office. These past two meetings, the first one, I think there was about 20 people in total, not count not counting the executive board, which was very promising. We just had Student Activities Day on campus recently on the uh, campus quad outside at Rick. There was, I think, 100 students there. We had about 15 people sign up on our sign-up sheet interested in joining. That is very promising, and I'm very excited for this for what this year is going to bring. Jason, you you and Raymond, have, you or I and Rick have each had change at the top. Uh, Dr. Dooley left after a long time, President Sanchez. So now you have an interim, Jack Warner. You have uh, Mark Palange. Yep. So what is, talk about your relationship. I mean, it's almost like a regular newspaper with we're covering government and there's that kind of friction, but we kind of need each other at times. What is the cigar's relationship with the administration? The cigar definitely has a really strong connection with the administration. We work very closely with them at all points. So I would say we have a really good relationship at this point. Um, a lot of the administrators who are newer, uh, such as President Mark Parlange, have been amazing with making time to speak with us and to work with us on getting coverage for events and to understand what's going on on campus. So we've definitely had a growing relationship. There are definitely points of friction, like you noted, where 
you know, there are issues that we have to cover that administration doesn't exactly want us to cover in a certain way. Um, is but, there blowback on that, or they kind of understand your role? If you, as you're, as the top guy, you get the phone calls or the emails or whatever. Yeah. How has that been during your time? Um, I wouldn't say that there's blowback by any means. Um, I think they understand what our position is as a student voice and the community voice for URI. So there's definitely moments where it's. I think I wish that we didn't have to pub that you didn't have to publish this in the cigar, but. It's what you have to do as a student journalist. So I definitely say there's a level of understanding between us that, you know, we are going to publish things that won't always be great for the university, but that need to be talked about. I feel like we have a decent relationship with the administration. Dr. Warren is a very approachable guy. I've and met, he's new. Yeah. And, but he's been around the block because he was in higher education and right. then he's come back. So he's kind of the interim to the next person. Exactly. I, I think he also worked for Governor Kachiri back in the day, too. He's very approachable. I've had maybe one conversation with him so far. It wasn't really a long conversation. I'm planning to try to meet with him sometime to let him know, here's what the anchor does. We want to make sure that the anchor is out there to be the eyes and ears, eyes and ears of the campus community, as you always tell us in our uh, weekly meetings. I don't think we've had any blowback. I've never gotten an email or phone call from admin saying, hey, I don't like how you wrote this about us or that's not true. Whenever we ask them for a statement or a quote, they've been very uh, compliant and they'll give us an answer. You know that uh, we covered the interesting situation going on with our student uh, parliament's funding that was frozen by President Sanchez last year. I've been all over that trying to cover it in our news section. Uh, admin's been very cooperative in talking to us. I don't think there's been anything too drastic in terms of getting them angry. I've had heard occasionally if someone say, I think one person wrote an op-ed about how they hadn't had an in-person class in two years. That made the pro-jo. We had someone also do an op-ed where they kind of called out admin a little bit. I only heard behind the scenes that, that admin was upset. I've never been told directly. So That was the big frustration, though, at Rick, right? Because Rick lagged a little bit behind URI. I think part of it because it's more of a commuter school, and right. they were, I don't know what the reasoning was. People are interacting with others. But wasn't that a big bone of contention, that getting back, having to mask, and getting back into class? Because my memory was a year ago, it, it was delayed more than the other schools actually getting back on campus. Exactly, and I, to my understanding, it was up to the professor for each course. I, I had hybrid courses. Uh, I, I took a summer course this past uh, summer where we didn't meet at all. It, it was certainly a little frustrating as a student. I wanted to get the ads advertised uh, college experience, but now this year, things look, things look bright, and I'm looking forward to what this year and next year will bring. What about URI has had an interesting relationship with the surrounding towns? You know, there have been some issues with off-campus, Bonnet Shores, Narragansett, and all of that. Is, that. is that something, I mean, you could probably pull some stories from 30 years ago and it may be the same. Is it, is it just going to be kind of natural problems with off-campus kids? Has that gotten better? What, what is the dynamic now down there? I would say that the dynamic is definitely a lot better than when the propositions to limit student housing off campus um, were first announced. There's a big whole court battle on that too, right? Yes, there was. Um, so the town of Narragansett and the surrounding towns have made it so only three undergraduate students from URI can live in one house um, off campus at a time. Um, which was a large problem because many of the housing options off campus are five bedrooms um, or more. So many students were left without the option or were forced to pay more in rent each month to not have access to two bedrooms because only three people could live there. 
Landlords were upset that they weren't able to get, you know, students to live there. Students were upset that they didn't have housing because there's are also a shortage of housing on campus at URI. So it's definitely a very contentious situation that we are seeing come into effect fully this year for the first time. Um, and we are consistently covering it pretty much every single week there is something new going on, with, whether it's being challenged in court as it was about a year ago now, or as of right now, there um, are discussions of some Narragansett town officials going house to house and seeing if more college students are living in one place than is on the lease. I'm sure that goes over well, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, so in Providence, Raymond, the issue, I think because Rick is more of a commuter campus, there's always this talk about trying to jumpstart student life. So it's a little bit different dynamic than URI. So talk a little bit about that, particularly now as, as the students are returning to campus. Yeah, there's, it's, it's a little different. Part of the campus is in Providence. The other part's in North Providence. As, uh, as far as town politics go in North Providence, I emailed all their town counselors in the mayor's office saying, hey, my name's Raymond Bakari. I'm editor-in-chief of The Anchor. If you want to include us on any press release list, we'd be happy to cover whatever's going on in the town. We cover what's going on in Providence. I've been big on the mayoral election. Last school year, we did the first uh, mayoral candidate forum of the election cycle, which was uh, very impressive how we were able to put, to put that together with all the COVID guidelines and bureaucracy being in the way. But as, as for student life, now is the first chance we can actually cover what's going on with student life. Last year, student life was kind of on uh, life support, no pun intended. It's just, it, it, this is the first year where I feel like things are actually gonna be able to be covered as they were a few years ago. What about that student life on campus? It was a little bit better last year. I mean, you guys came back and it, I mean, it's not the way it is this year, but because it's a residential school, how were things comparatively? Was it getting better as the year went on last year? I would say so. Um, Restrictions started loosening at the beginning of last academic year. So in the fall semester of 2020, I believe, there started being slight loosenings of restrictions. There, You were allowed to go into other dorm buildings, even if you didn't live in them anymore and you lived on campus. You were able to have student org meetings in person, things like that. And then last semester, there was even more movement towards that, where classrooms weren't required to have masks anymore. And almost all per classes were in person at that point. But as of this semester, it's pretty much completely back to normal. There are still requirements for masks if they're um, required by a professor, but it seems like that's pretty uncommon in that there's a lot of loosening, which has gone hand in hand with a rise of more involvement on campus and student organizations and just events going on on campus. For the past two years, I haven't seen many things going on in the quad or big events or just seen people walking around, honestly. So this semester, I've definitely seen just life on campus. Um, as you get out and about, and newspaper you're to be the ears and eyes, I think it changes with each generation. What are some of the issues that, that uh, the kids on campus are, are concerned about? I mean, they're clearly concerned about campus life, but, but is there a broader look at some of the issues that are going on state and nationally? Yeah, there definitely are. Um, a lot of the national issues that we are seeing right now are things that we're doing larger story coverage on. Um, obviously, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade this summer, um, that has been a large topic that a lot of students have been passionate about. We've seen a lot of student activism um, going to courthouses, doing protests, doing many forms of activism to, you know, make their voices heard. We've seen a lot of just general 
student involvement with different things like that. Um, and you see it on campus, off campus. Last year, students from a gender and women's studies course uh, went to the Rhode Island courthouse to testify. So I would say I'm seeing even more of that for um, just pretty much any national issue you can think of. There's energy around it. I feel like it's similar on the Rick campus too. Uh, we had actually a, a couple students come in uh, this year who wanted to write for opinions. One of the big topics that was covered in this past issue for uh, issue one on the website was President Biden's decision for, to cancel the student loan debt. We had a couple students get quoted for the piece and that was a big one. Uh, obviously the overturning of Roe was another big one. As for um, campus specific, uh, I've heard things about what's going on in the dorms. I don't know specifically myself. I haven't been in, in one of the dorms yet. But that's one. Uh, obviously, sometimes you hear the food at Donovan, uh, a couple things like that. Student life was a big one, though. There, there wasn't many events going on. There weren't many events going on on campus. That was a big thing. Now there are events happening on campus. We have Rick Chella coming up, which is or actually happening right now, which is, which is awesome. Uh, the Student Activities Day was really great. Great way for the incoming students to see oh, we have a newspaper, we have a radio station, we have a TV channel. A lot of people didn't know that last year. And then uh, Rick is going to be hosting one of the uh, debates for governor. Yeah, there's actually going to be two. To my understanding, there's the NBC Channel 10 debate in November, and then I heard something about one happening in October. I don't know exactly who's co-sponsoring it yet, but to my understanding, Rick should Rick may be co-sponsoring one of those two debates. I find it interesting with technology, too, because, because we're going digital. I was looking, and, and folks, if you get a chance, take a look at both of their websites. Yours is, uh, tell me the website, it's roadiesigar.com, and then Anchor. Anchorweb.org. Yep. Um, what's interesting is is that you also do a newscast, and that's kind of where yes. things are going. People, instead of maybe wanting to read the articles, they're there. You do a newscast that can range, what, 8 to 15 to 20 minutes, right? Yep. And is that a weekly thing? Yes. Yeah, so every single week we do put out a newscast. Um, we have one editor who kind of heads the project each week. Um, we have a sports cast that goes along with that. It's in the same package each week that's uploaded. And we have a team of reporters who kind of specialize in doing video news, but some people also just stop in and do it once or twice. It's a lot more effort than you think to put together 20 minutes, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, the good thing is we have our reporters doing their own editing for each of their own individual packages. So each different story that you see is fully comes, put together. Right. Yeah, it comes And you to just the have editor. to string them together. Yeah. Uh, Raymond, you've been doing what, you've actually been on the cutting edge because Raymond, if you have not seen his channel, uh, tell us about your YouTube channel. Absolutely. So I host a political interview show on YouTube called Reality TV. It's spelled R-A-Y-A-L-I-T. Y space TV. I have to put the dash in there because somebody did it without the dash already. But I've been doing this uh, subsection in our news uh, section at the paper called the political profile section, where any interview I have with an elected with an elected official, candidate seeking office, an alum who's in the world of journalism, I'll have them on my show. We'll talk about the current events. Sometimes it'll be why you're running for this office or what's your advice in the case where we had Mike Montecavo from Channel 12 on. What's your advice to student journalists who want to break into the industry? Rick alum. Yep. Also a Rick alumnus, and uh, that was that was a very uh, awesome discussion to, to to have. It was it was an honor to have him on the show and to write about that at, at the anchor. That got some good traffic on that. That's the 
one one part of it. I'm very big into multimedia storytelling. For the student parliament coverage that I do, I also film and edit that, so we're embedding videos into our articles for that. I see the potential in doing a newscast like how you do at the at the Rody Cigar. Uh, we just finally uh, started getting in contact with who's running the TV studio at the um, the Adams Library on campus, so should definitely be in the works. It's been a nice addition because we talked about URI's role in the community. Raymond has interviewed most of the city council members, a lot of the um, a lot of the general assembly and he interviewed Governor McKee, Speaker Sicarchi, and Senate President Ruggiero. So it's it's interesting because then you can spin that off for coverage. Let's talk a little bit of politics. I'm interested, Jason, you are not from Rhode Island. Yes. So you are from yeah. Illinois. First of all, why did you decide to come to URI? Um, I was lucky enough to be able to get a one-on-one -on -one tour on campus when I applied, and the old editor-in-chief of the cigar at the time, Ian Weiner, was actually my tour guide and showed me around campus. And he closed the deal on you, he didn't he? He closed the deal, yeah. He had me in the cigar before my first week of campus was even there. Um, and yeah, I mean, the journalism program is amazing at URI. The faculty is so great. And just the amount of opportunities that I saw and I ended up, you know, getting to actually take advantage of when I got to URI were really what kind of got me to want to come out this way. And URI actually has a pretty good percentage of out-of-state. I know there's a pretty yeah. heavy, you know, it's odd, not odd, it's different that you're from Illinois. It's mainly, you see a lot of uh, students from the Mid-Atlantic and Pennsylvania and whatever. So yeah. have you found any other Illinois students? Are you... Uh... Yeah, actually, my old newscast editor who just uh, retired last semester, Amani Fleming, she's from Illinois. She's from Chicago. So I worked very closely with her. She was in my first ever class at URI. Um, and I've met quite a few other people from Illinois, a couple other Midwesterners. Um, so it's definitely been interesting. It wasn't what I expected to see, honestly, but there is, I think, a growing amount of out of state and out of New England, the Northeast area in general, even. Well, and we always, we kind of looked at, I think the people who are most critical about Rhode Island are those who have not lived in other parts of the country. And URI now has a national reputation. I mean, yeah. sports always helps, but you look at the strong programs that they have, that, that a lot of that's Dr. Dooley had built that over the last 20 years. Um, let's talk politics, Raymond. We, uh, the primary. Uh, is over, and now we look to the general. I know he's got a big smile on his face. Yeah, talking, he loves, talking, talking about politics on TV politics. With, with, uh, with Jim. I feel like a kid in the candy store right now. And Jason, we're glad to have you in Rhode Island, by the way. <laughs> um, Thank you. Let's start off with the governor's race. So I'm, I have my uh, notes here with the numbers. So Governor McKee had 32.8% of the vote. Helena Folks had a big surge. She was polling at third, but now she's sec she uh, ended up second place with 29.9%. And Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea had 26.2%. And then I believe Matt Brown had 8% and Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz had three. That was a very interesting gubernatorial Did election. it surprise you? Did you expect McKee to win? Or did you, there was this buzz about Helena Folks coming at the... I, I did expect a McKee win. I thought Gorbea would place a, a little little bit higher. She she had a, a lot of uh, energetic people and with her campaign and energetic supporters. She had big endorsements too. Former mayor of Providence, Andrew Tavares, Emily's List, just to name, just to name a couple. Uh, but... Folks did have the support from Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, current Mayor of Providence Jorge Alorza, and just the energy after that WPRI debate we had at the Nazarian Center at Rick, that alone, I think, really shifted the momentum. It, it's kind of, uh, Robitaille is his name from 2010 when Robitaille, the Republic, yeah. yeah, Robitaille, uh, where they say if he had another week or two, that may have been the case for folks in this, in this election. If she had another week or two, it could have probably been her. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought that, I mean, I expected Governor McKee to kind of get the re the primary win in this. Um, 
only because I felt like this was a lower energy election than I've seen in the past. Um, I definitely think there was energy amongst people who are already politically inclined, but I didn't see a lot of energy from any voters who are average or just don't have as much not political as interest. Engaged, right? Yeah, not as engaged. Um, I didn't see much energy, and to have the advantage of being the incumbent in a low-energy election season is so strong that I, I kind of expected this outcome. It's interesting that when my kids went to school out of state, my twins, and when they arrived on campus within a week, people were trying to sign them up to vote in that state. And you can do that because that's where you're living. What is the voter registration like on campus? Has there been a strong push for, especially for out-of-state students, to come in and register to be able to vote not only in Rhode Island but to be able to vote in South Kingstown? There There's definitely programs and there are definitely people who try to do that, but I wouldn't say that there's a strong presence of people on campus trying to get, especially out-of-state students, out signed up for um, voting. Uh, the Senate and a lot of senators at URI have been very strongly, you know, pushing for students to register. But I wouldn't say that there is anybody setting up on the quad and saying, you know, come over here, we'll help you sign up to vote. So I wouldn't say there's as much of that. Rick's actually got an organization, Civic Engagement. They're doing a number of events. I think they're actually going to be doing a voter registration drive for November. That started, I believe, last year, if I'm not mistaken. So now it's really ramping up, trying to get Civic Engagement going on on campus. And the efforts I did with the Mayoral Candidate Forum was centered around the idea of, hey, we have a lot of students from Providence. Here's who's running to be the mayor of not only your city, but the state's largest city. Yeah, and I think also, and I think this is one of the things in the Biden-Trump, uh, John Delavolpe, who is a, a researcher at Harvard Pollster, talked about Gen Z and the millennials, that don't, don't take them for granted. It always used to be get the old people out because they vote. And now you think of all the issues you guys are facing, you know, climate uh, change and a gun crisis and abortion now and all of that, that I think that's going to be a big um, factor in the midterms. Let's do this. We may get into a little national, but as you know on Lively, we do a, uh, a, an outrage or a kudo. Raymond, what do you have this week? I hope this isn't cheesy, but my kudos is the anchor staff. Uh, issue one was very strong, and issue two is looking promising. My outrage, so I'm registered unaffiliated for full disclosure, so whenever I go to vote in a primary like I did, uh, if I vote in a primary, that party, I'm technically affiliated with that party now because I cast in my ballot and we don't have open primaries. So then I have to either re-unaffiliate at the polling place right there, or what I usually do is go on the sos.ri.gov website and re-unaffiliate. After that, they mail you another one of those little paper cards that says your precinct, your district numbers. I have about four in my drawer from every primary I've, had, I've voted in and had to re-affiliate for. And I just think that's a, that's a waste. If you have open primaries, then you, you don't have to send out all that postage, and that's money that can be saved. That's a message to the Secretary of State's office from your lips to their ears. Jason, do you have an outrage or a kudo this week? Yeah, I mean, I would similarly say my kudo is to our first two, or our first edition that just came out this week and all the work that all of our staff and editors put into it. I thought it was an amazing first one. Sorry to take exactly what you said. <laughs> um, and my outrage, I mean, it has to be um, Ron DeSantis' move uh, to ship 50 migrants from Venezuela, from Florida to uh, Martha's Vineyard recently. Um, outrageous behavior, um, political stunt just to get a clip on Fox News and other, you know, news channels is outrageous that, you know, you treat a human being that way of shipping them like a product just to make a statement. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I, it's, it was certainly a very um, interesting story. 
I don't. I think it's going. It, it, what he's trying to accomplish, it's it's certainly helping his case. He's likely going to get reelected. Well, he's in playing Florida. to the base. Too. Yeah, he's likely going to get reelected in Florida, and he's seen as the potential 2024 front runner if uh, former President Trump doesn't run. So it's likely political. All right, folks, it's a fast 30 minutes. Thank you for joining us, folks. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of Lively Experiment. Raymond and Jason, check out anchorweb.org and roadiesigar.com, and. Uh, they are the future, not only of journalism, but of our society. So uh, we appreciate having them on. Folks, we will be back to the regular political show next week. We hope you have a great week as we begin to head into the meat of the general election campaign. We'll have the very latest for you. Join us here next week as a lively experiment continues. Experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.